Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck Tuckians? What the fuckericans? What's happening? Those are getting pretty specific. Uh, so you know who I'm talking to. Just to eat that those two groups specifically. The, the, the first couple are broad, and then we're kind of zooming in a little bit. But uh, how are you? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show. Are you okay? What's been going on? Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Really? Oh, shit. And Really? So did you talk to the guy? Oh, no kidding. Do you have to... What time are you going to go over there? Wow. Did uh, Are you going to get any money for that? I'm just trying random fragments. If any of these stick, we're having a conversation. If they don't, you're just eavesdropping on a strange one-sided conversation uh, by me, which is not unusual. But it'll be two-sided in a minute. Today, I got, uh, got a couple of guests. Both of the guests on today's show have been on previous shows... And the idea initially was to do what I do sometimes, which is have a short interview. But these are two, they came out really good. So we just doubled them up and uh, got two kind of medium interviews. And it, but it's great checking in with these two guys. David Sedaris is here today. Uh, Bo Burnham is here today. His movie uh, was very, um, very good. I, I, you know, I liked it. It's called Eighth Grade. Uh, and it, it did it triggered a lot of things. Triggered can be a good word. Sometimes you're triggered and it's like, no. And other times you're triggered and you're like, ouch, no. But uh, look, good show. Smart guys. Uh, excited about it. Okay? That's coming up. I um, was with my father. Should I tell you that? Should I tell you this story? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had not seen him in a while. He came out to the house, him and his wife, Rosie, and we had an, a nice time. I was nervous at first. I, I felt a little uh, anxiety, perhaps a little um, kind of a residual anger from uh, my childhood. And then it just, when I saw him, something it was, something was different this time. You know, a couple of things happened, uh, but something was definitely different. Well, he's old. He's going to be 80 and at some point, I, I don't see him that much. He, uh, we talk uh, a bit. Uh, there's no real tension between us, but I don't see him. And when you don't see your father when he's in this age range for a little while, you know, they, they, you, you start to notice, like, ah, oh, he got older. And then, you know, like this time, it was like, holy fuck, he's an old guy. Almost 80 years old, my dad. Why wouldn't he be? I'm 54. 
right? I got it right this time. I'm 54. And, uh, you know, we try, his wife is uh, 10 years younger than him and she's in very good shape, but we decided we'd go on a little, a little hike, not even a hike, a walk up a minor incline. And my father has just gotten to this point where apparently, um, he's very compulsive about his health in terms of uh, being aware of what's healthy and what isn't and, and taking care of that. But apparently he's not moving much. He just sits around and worries about his health and, you know, makes her, uh, tense and miserable. He, he's very... He takes a lot of vitamins because uh, he's miserable, but he takes a lot of vitamins because he wants to he wants to be miserable for as, for as long as possible. Um, and, you know, I respect that. I understand that. But we went on this hike and he couldn't make it, you know, even a, he just like five minutes into it. And he's just he's old and it's it's not sad. It's natural. But uh, but I noticed it. The other thing I, I didn't really realize about my father, it's the deal is when you you have the opportunity and I do see it as a as sort of a nice thing, obviously. It's nice to check in uh, with your parents if you can, if you have that option, if they're still alive. It's good to check in so you can assess the current distance between apple and tree. And uh, it's it's a little closer than I'd like, but it is what it is. But there was something I learned about my old man that I did not know. Is that, you know, he takes risks. You know, we all take risks in our own way. There, there's a thrill to risk taking. You, you know, you, it's good if you're, there's safer risks or if they, you know, at least there's a context to them that enables you to do it with some safety. Obviously, nothing is 100% safe. You know, I don't bungee jump. I don't jump out of planes. I don't uh, climb the walls, rock face walls. I do keep in good shape, but I, I take risks uh, in other ways with my mind and whatever. I just didn't see my father as, as sort of a risk taker. I knew he was a bit irresponsible occasionally, which could seem like risk taking, but it's not intentional, right? But uh, I learned something about my dad, man. He, he pushes the fucking envelope. My, my almost 80-year-old dad. He'll fucking take it out there, man. Here's what happened. So um, I'm uh, cooking breakfast for him and Rosie. She brought out some uh, nice green chili sauce. Uh, from New Mexico, and I was going to make some eggs, slice up some avocado, and I'm cooking uh, cooking up the breakfast. My dad and Rosie are sitting at the counter. My dad's got his pills in front of him. Doesn't take many uh, prescription medicine, but as I said, a lot of vitamins. So I'm cooking, and they're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I just uh, I just hear my dad choking, like for real, like <gasps> like you know that it's a horrible sound when somebody cannot fucking breathe because their goddamn larynx and throat is clogged. <gasps> and it was scary in that moment, just like what the fuck is happening? I turn around and he had taken all his pills at the same time, just a handful of fucking pills, threw them in his mouth, tried to knock them back, didn't get them back, and was gasping for air like a man drowning on land, and he was choking. It was fucking horrifying, and it's all happening very quickly. My first thought was like, really, here, this is going to happen? You know, I, I see you once a year, maybe, and you're going to die in my fucking kitchen? Not the not the most sensitive thought, but, but you, you know, let's be honest. It's good to keep in check with those thoughts that happen initially, even though you know because of civilization and laws and, and uh, appropriateness, you, you know, you don't always say or act on them, but it's nice to make note of them just so you, you keep hold of who you are and you, you're, you, you, have a, you have a point of reference. 
So my next thought was like, I don't even know the Heimlich. I kind of know it. Maybe I should get in there because Rosie had gotten in there and was patting him on the back, but it didn't look like it was going to be enough because he was really gasping for air. I knew time was of the essence here. Whole handful of fucking vitamins. My dad's going to be the first guy to, to die because of vitamins that way. But so he's choking. And I'm about to do the Heimlich on him, and then he he just like, okay, 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 I got, it. okay. So he and he starts breathing normally, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, you take the whole all the goddamn vitamins at the same time. What do you want to die? What do you want to choke to death? And and Rosie just goes, he does this all the time, all the time. This this is him. This is his. This is his gamble. This is his bungee jumping. They're all going down. Jesus, man. We made it through that breakfast. We made it through that breakfast barely, barely. So David Sedaris is obviously a, a very funny, uh, brilliant writer and a very funny guy. And I it was uh, I, I love talking to him a few years back when he was here. And it's uh, it's lovely to have him stop by again and to want to stop by. His, uh, his most recent essay collection is called Calypso. And you can get that wherever you get books. This is me. And David Sedaris chatting here in the new. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Garage. How have you been? Uh, I started a tour. Yeah. A lecture tour. Uh-huh. April 3rd. Yeah. That went until the 24th of May. Uh-huh. And then I had three days off, and then I started my book tour. So I've been in my book tour ever since. For Calypso. Mm-hmm. I've been on tour since April 3rd. And I had three days off, but I spent them all in England doing UK and Italian tours. Do you speak I mean, Italian? Uh, UK and Italian uh, uh, interviews. Do I speak Italian? Yeah. Well, you know what I would have said when I walked in here? What? Your yeah. I would have pointed to my chair and I would have said, E libro questo posto. Is this chair taken? That's some of my best Italian right there. <laughs> it was very effective. It was yeah. very good. I believed it all the way. But so you've been out in the road doing the shtick. What's the difference between the uh, the lecture and the and the book? Lecture tour, you're in theaters and the audience has comfortable chairs and the lights go down. It's a show. Yeah. And a book tour, you know, yeah, a lot of times people are standing up and you're in the and the sound system is bad. In a bookstore. And you can look at people, which I don't like looking at people. Really? You don't look there there's sort of desperate need for connection and help? No. I feel uh. like they have that look on their face that 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 
that they have to look like they're enjoying themselves. They don't want to hurt your feelings. So if you meet their eyes, they have that, you know, that. It's, but then you the, sign books the, longer in a, on a book tour. It, it, it's the supportive smile that, that yeah, bothers yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> I just feel bad for them. <laughs> like, like you, you, you know, I'm not pressuring you to be entertained. Thank you for the support. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what it's like. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. Because I, I, when I perform, I tend to... And I don't do it as much as I used to, but if I'm not doing as well as I'd like to be, I find myself looking intently at like one member of the audience and they start to do that weird yawn. Like, like why? Like, like <laughs> that's, it's, it's not a real yawn. It's just from gasping for air because I've got a stranglehold on them with my energy. Another difference is the, the length of time it takes to sign books. Oh, like God. in a theater, you might be three, four hours. I know. Then, if you uh, do the whole theater, I, I won't even do a meet and greet uh, in the big theaters anymore because it's another 45 minutes to an hour, two hours. But sitting there signing and connecting, it's exhausting, right? I, I, I just see it as part of my job. Right. But on but, a book tour, it's like like the other night I signed, I signed books for 10 hours. Really? At yeah. one place? Yeah. For 10 hours? Uh-huh. What, the, the, into the morning? Yeah, I got there to the bookstore at quarter to four in the afternoon, and I left at quarter to three in the morning. Oh my God! And people just waited online. Yeah. So, do you do pictures? No. Oh, see, because that's a, that's that's good, because like uh, there's a lot of pictures of me exhausted everywhere, uh, standing with strangers, looking tired. Well, I realized not long ago that after I signed books for a yeah. couple hours, my eyes cross, and they, so when people come up and say, "Oh, we had a picture taken last year," and I look at it and it's. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes are completely crossed. So where are you spending most of your time when you're not running around? In England still? Yeah, in England, in West Sussex. Now, I, I know a lot of this book is, is about the, uh, the you, you know, the there's not so many miles to go before we sleep. And uh, about mortality and about, you know, the, the sort of feelings of aging. I don't know. You know, to tell you the truth, I never... Sometimes when somebody writes your jacket flap, yeah. right, that becomes your what's said about the book, or maybe yeah. it's a press release or something. But I never sat down thinking that. No, but you know? we are. But we are. Right. I mean, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not judging it. But I mean, it's like how that's our point of view now. Right. I mean, I just sort of became that age. Yeah. You know, where, uh, you know, where people call you sir and right. I fell down uh, someone <laughs> was in an elevator yeah. and it was that situation you know when you're in a nice hotel yeah. it's like after you no after you after right. you after right. you and it's like somebody just get on and off the fucking elevator it's just <laughs> taking this forever and so it was this yeah. Asian woman after you after you after yeah. you and then finally I thought fine and yeah. I walked and somebody had spilled something and yeah. I slipped yeah. I stepped out of the elevator and I fell like I fell right on my back and someone said don't move him and I just <laughs> So, so old. <laughs> and did you get up? <laughs> yeah, I got up. Just to prove them wrong, you know, just to prove I was, and God did it hurt. Don't move them. Don't, Don't move, move him. him. Yeah. So, like, what, like, do you live in the country? I live in the country. Yeah? In the country. But it's a perfect kind of country to me yeah. because England is kind of small, so there's really not that much it's it's not like when you drive through uh, North Dakota, right? Right. So it's not even the, that big in the country, but yeah. uh, three and a half miles away, there's a a larger village. You know, it's got a grocery store and it has a bank and yeah. it has a someone has a sells fabric. Uh huh. And there's those got, are the three stores. They're like. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's an antique store. They're right. like 12. Yeah. Well, you know, guitar shop. You, it's a little village. But I like that there's a fabric store and a guitar shop in a little village. Yeah. They, they, those are the businesses that remain. Yeah. 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 So when you sit out in the country, because I have fantasies about, about uh, like, I, you know, there was a while there when, when uh, you know, when this administration took charge where... Yeah, I really felt this impending kind of like doom, which is upon us, but it, you know, it, it, it hasn't manifested exactly like I thought it would, but I thought I would have to leave. Like, I, I just felt like, you know, why, why, why live here anymore with this discomfort, even if I'm not feeling it immediately? Uh, do you feel relief over there? Well, because we have Brexit over yeah. in England, I don't, I don't think Americans realize it, but every day, in England, yeah. the headlines of all the newspapers yeah. are, what the fuck are we going to do about Brexit? Right. Like, nobody knows what to do about it, and nothing's really been done about it. It's just everybody just wishing it didn't happen. It's well, stalled. Yeah, because it's incredibly complicated. And, right. and the people who voted for it were led to believe that it was going to be easy. Right. Right? Yeah. And, you know, when Kennedy announced that he was going to resign, uh-huh. meaning that Trump would get to point someone else to the Supreme Court, yeah. I thought... I thought, okay, well, I'll just get my passport because I can get my British passport tomorrow if I want it. Yeah. And I, but my, and this sounds queer to say, but like my heart is still in it here. Yeah. You know I, I mean, I, like I think I that's it. Yeah. Couldn't stop caring about it here. Right. Yeah. As much as you want to say, like, okay, then fuck you, idiots, yeah. you know? Uh, you know, it's still the. I'm still tied to. Well, it's your the home. States. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and certainly the way. You capture the United States, no matter how uh, cynical, it, it, it still sort of uh, humanizes it. And, and even where you come from originally, like I go down south, and I and I'm always amazed at at the the, the sort of you know there's a, a graciousness and a humanity there. There's people that are good people, and you know, and I think in our minds, you, it's very easy to draw lines, but they're really they're, those lines aren't really real. Well, I was in Texas a few weeks ago, and somebody asked me, you know, what do you think about Texas? Yeah. Because whenever you go, people like to know what, what you what think town? about them. You what know? town, yeah. Uh, I was in, I think I was in uh, Houston at the time. But but I, to- I talked about uh, Odessa, Texas, where I had been a couple of months earlier. Yeah. Odessa, Texas, in the middle of nowhere. Right. right. So I go to my hotel, and there are the t- Ten Commandments, yeah. 12 feet high in yeah. marble in front of my hotel. In front of the hotel? Yeah. Uh-huh. Was um, it a Christian themed hotel or No, no, but there the Ten Commandments there. But then you go inside and it's the biggest queen you ever saw behind it, the front desk. Uh-huh. And then there's a trans person at the hair salon yeah. slash coffee place in the lobby. Right. So to me that that's Texas to me. You know, right. Like on the outside it looks really unforgiving. You yeah, know? But sure. then when you walk walk inside it's like you know, they'll accept a lot more than 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 you thought they would. Yeah, and 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 when it, when you get down to individual people, they are their own little countries and and living within this thing. And that it, it's it, so much of what's happening is going on uh, with isolated people online and a few uh, more than I'd like to admit. You know, random you know whack jobs who are willing to go out into the world and be proud of it. But but you know, I, I want to have hope. How, how's your hope factor? Uh you know, it comes and goes. Yeah. I mean, what 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 really killed me was the the number of people who I met who didn't vote in the last election. Yeah, and and I would say to them, I would say, did you vote? And they said no. 
And I said, God, I would lie about that if I were you. Yeah. I would be so ashamed. Yeah. If I didn't vote, I'd be so ashamed I would lie. Yeah. I would never yeah. I would never admit to not voting. I mean, I've never not voted. Yeah. But if something happened and I didn't get a chance to vote, I'd lie about it. Right. Right, yeah, because you, you you want to be looked at with that blame. That's you. It's people like you. So what what um, when you're when you're out there in the country, I mean, is it is it enough for you? I mean, do you? I mean, like when you're not writing, do you, what do you just sit on the porch? What do you do? What do I do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you are you able to? I live in the country. I I don't really know that. Maybe I have one person who's like a friend. Yeah. And he and I go out and pick up garbage together sometimes. Yeah. But most days I just do it on my own. You and pick up garbage? It, yeah, like f- between four and eight hours a day. Do you pick up garbage? I pick up garbage. Hey, on the streets? or uh, where, where I live, it's really beautiful, but yeah. people throw everything out the car window. Uh-huh. You know, done with that newspaper, throw it out the window. You're right. done with that coffee cup, throw it out the window. Yeah. So I complained about it when I first moved there, and then I thought, okay, well, I'll just take care of it myself so I spend between four and eight hours a day on the side of the road picking up trash and that and that's that's would you call that a pastime or hobby I guess it's a hobby yeah I mean I'm compelled to do it yeah but I've picked up tons and tons and tons I mean I got invited to Buckingham Palace because I picked up so much trash really? that was the only reason it didn't have anything to do with writing I was invited to Buckingham Palace. The Queen has a lieutenant in every county, and this lieutenant. What does that mean? Oh, lieutenant. A lieutenant. Yeah, a lieutenant. Oh, uh-huh. But I think they say lieutenant there. Uh-huh. And she saw me on the roads picking up rash, and she saw me month after month, and then she nominated me, and I was so I was in, I was invited to Buckingham Palace. Were you knighted? No, no. The Queen has a day where she invites do-gooders. Uh huh. And so I was just invited there as a do-gooder. Yeah. And who, who were you with? Who were some of the other do-gooders? They were, you know, they were with cancer research or they were with, you know, homeless people or they were, we were of different stripes uh-huh. and they weren't, I don't know, I didn't meet anybody. I tried to strike up a few conversations. Everyone was wearing new shoes uh-huh. and there was, and there was a like <laughs> patch of soft grass yeah. and people were going over there and take, taking their shoes and socks off. Oh, really? And their feet were like bleeding. I mean, my feet were because I was wearing new shoes too. Well, what? Because if that's not a dress up occasion, sure. what is? <laughs> but, it, but you noticed that everyone else had done the same thing, that everyone had the new shoes? Every, you could look down and you saw people hobbling. Yeah. <laughs> they were all wearing brand new shoes. For the queen? Yeah. Did you meet the queen then? No, I stood about, I don't know, eight feet from her. And, uh, and they said, don't bring cameras and don't bring phones. And so I didn't. Yeah. And everyone else had a camera and a phone. And then there were these guys who were dressed like the guys on the beef eater gin bottle. Yeah. Who would say, oh, love. Put yeah. that away. We don't, you know. Yeah. Today we'll just enjoy ourselves without pictures. Yeah. And the second their back was turned, people would raise their cameras back up and take pictures. Were you mad about that? Well, it was a rule. Yeah. You know, they asked you not to do it. So yeah. I thought, they asked you not to do it. Don't do it. And w- when you saw the queen, did, was did, was there an effect? Did it, did you? Were, were no, you moved? I didn't feel. No, I wasn't moved in any way. No. She was tiny. Oh really? Like I, I bet she's four ten. Oh, I want. She was probably taller. Maybe, but I mean, if she was taller, it was like five feet. Yeah. I mean, oh, she's really that small? Yeah. Huh. I mean, I saw Barack Obama once. I yeah. was invited to the White House. He's a he's a tall guy. Yeah. But yeah. I saw him. Yeah. And I was moved. Yeah. To see him. Right. But I, I, I didn't feel anything seeing the queen. 
Did you feel like the house was nice? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, did you get a plaque or a piece of paper? Nope. Nothing. No, it was kind of great. And no picture. Nope. You no just, picture. You just have the story. Just have the story, and it was kind of I don't know, I perfect way yeah. to do it. I don't. Uh, but when he saw Barack, and when you talked to him, right? No. No. He was. I was invited to talk to some speechwriters there, and I was invited to lunch there. Oh, because they wanted to, you know, how do we spice this up kind of yeah. thing? Yeah, we just, you know. <laughs> Can asking, you punch this up a little bit? They had writing questions. Oh, and yeah? so I said Like what? Oh, gosh, about making things topical or uh -huh. about, I mean, they knew I wasn't a speechwriter. Right. Uh, just kind of about structuring a story and. Did you tell Did you tell them that he should probably do some smaller venues first and test the stuff out? <laughs> 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 um, and he was with the Pakistani delegation. Uh -huh. And then I was on my way out, and yeah. there he was. Yeah. And he waved. Yeah. But I was with two other people, so I'm pretty sure he was waving at me, but they're probably sure he was waving at them, too. That's how you all got a good story. But that was enough, too. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, I was invited one other time because it was Greek in anniversary of Greek Independence Day. Uh-huh. But I think that's the kind of thing where you'd go and he would pop his head into the room and maybe shake a few hands. And yeah. I just feel sorry for people who have to do that, you know, because they have other things I'd rather be doing. But if I had it to do over again, I, I kicked myself for not going. Yeah. Because uh, my friend Andy, his daughter, it, I, I should have gone and brought her. Oh she yeah. would have. It would have meant the world to her. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. It's a. It, he, he's an. He was an impressive guy. I talked to him on here on this show. I heard that. Yeah. It was. You know. And it, you know. I felt something. But you know what you feel along with that something that you feel as an American because you know you're talking to the president. I was talking to the president. Was that that weird shock of like oh, he's just a guy, just you, you know? Cause they're at a distance. There, there's something almost mythic about them. But he was very. It's it's both disappointing and and highly exciting uh, that they're they're just people. Disappointing in a good way. Huh. I didn't get the. Gosh, but I think you'd have to be a special kind of person to recognize that because I don't know that I could. What, that he's just a guy? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you don't, because you, you, the idea of that job or the, you know, certainly, you know, once you see the, the kind of like um, recklessness that's going on today, the sort of tact that was necessary to balance that is, is, a, is, a, is a, it's a profound ability to sort of detach and remain grounded in, 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 the, in the highest of stakes. And, and then when you see the guy just sitting there and we're talking about comedy or his wife or something, you're like, what is what is the magic? Because it is a magic. It is a certain disposition that enables somebody to do that. But he's, you know, fundamentally just a guy. And it, it, you know, I, I guess disappointing was the wrong word. I mean, I was happy about it, but you sort of wonder, you know, what 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 kind of constitution you have to have to do that? You know, to be able to handle that. I've talked to people who, you know, hung out with Bill Clinton and talked to him. Yeah. But they they gave the impression they were talked at. Uh huh. Oh right. More sure. I have friends like that. Did you ever? <laughs> did you ever interview Roseanne? Yes. You did. Yeah. You know what? I kind of feel like with what happened to her. You know, I, I, when I was a uh, fifteen, I worked at mental. I volunteered at a mental institution. Right. And when you're walking through the wards of a mental institution, you hear all kinds of, you know, pe people screaming things at the orderlies <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yes. But I think more than being a racist, mm. the person doing the screaming is crazy. No, I, I agree. Mean, like that's the number one thing that they are. I agree. And um, 
you know, maybe with her, like the number one thing that she is is just, you know, yeah, crazy. And I think she's always been that way. And I think yeah. that there's this sort of weird mixture of like I, I I tend to feel that 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 like Kanye, Roseanne, and Trump are are sort of in the same orbit. There's a a, 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 a sort of aggressive narcissism at the core uh-huh. of it, and 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 when you have a platform. And you're aggressively narcissistic. Not, I mean, pathologically narcissistic, not narcissistic traits. But, but somebody whose brain doesn't have that that ability to be aware in those moments, that you know, they can do profound cultural damage and and good. But, it, but I, I think that, yeah, I mean, when I had Roseanne on, I I, I went out of my way. To, to sort of manage the conversation in, in, in the area of comedy, which is, you know, what we talk about. Like, I, I, I was not nervous, but I didn't want it to go into that other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew that that was, you know, it was erratic, uh, you know, it was not, you know, founded in, you know, some sort of uh, agenda or, or consistency of ideas. So I tried to just keep her in, in comedy, and, and she was very charming and funny and, 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 and was good. But you do, on some level, no matter how mentally unstable, you know, she's aware of uh, where she's coming from uh, sometimes. And, and I, I think that was a, a sort of a weird oversight. I was uh, minding my own business one night. It was like midnight, and I was in Paris. It was 2000. Yeah. And the phone rang, and my boyfriend came and said, telephone. And he said, I think it's Roseanne. <laughs> yeah. And it's Roseanne. And she yeah. called me. Yeah. And she talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> And she sang a couple times. She broke into song. Yeah. Was it a wrong number? No, she was going to be on this TV show, and Uh she got my phone number from the host of the show. Right. She was just lonely and couldn't sleep, and so she called me. Was she a fan of yours, or...? uh, I don't know that she'd read everything, but, you know, she was more like... uh, She... It wasn't so much a conversation. Right. I mean, it was going to be being talked at. Yeah. But I was so, I was so, I was kind of surprised by how candid she was, uh-huh. you know. And she would answer any question that I asked her. And when she called, I mean, what was the how'd she preface it? Hi, Roseanne. Yeah, David. Hotel with big cushions and big curtains. I like big curtains. Make me feel rich. <laughs> and that was the beginning of it. And you'd never met her before. Never met her. And and what do you, what did you make of it while it was happening? You know, I was aware. I never watched her show. Yeah. But I was aware that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that many people. You yeah. Know, and I was aware that, you know, I was flattered, I suppose, yeah. that she would call me. Right. And then after a while, I thought, well, gosh, who would do that? You know, right. if you don't really yeah. know somebody. To get through to you at a hotel. It wasn't, or you, she was at a hotel. She was at a hotel. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know that. It's like if my boyfriend goes out of town and I yeah. get lonely and yeah. I think of calling a friend, yeah. I, I even hesitate because I think they're going to say, God damn it, you know, like, why did I ever give him this number? Or yeah. I think that they're going to, that I'm going to be bothering them. Right. Yeah. And so someone I don't know yeah. to call them at midnight, yeah. this seems, <laughs> that takes something I don't have. <laughs> and it was, it was like an hour at least? An hour and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah. Did you get any laughs? Yeah. I mean, she told me at one point that the, one time she had a next door neighbor who yeah. knocked on her door and told her that from today forth there would be no dark. He had just heard that announced on the radio. Uh-huh. He was crazy and he tried to paint his house with melted butter. <laughs> and she had some pretty good, pretty good stories. Do you I think? Well, do you think that's why she called you? She must have just read the book or an essay and thought like this guy gets it. Maybe I. You have no idea. Maybe. Huh. 
But again, I mean, maybe if you knew a lot of people. Yeah. You know, if you knew a lot of, like, you know a lot of people. So if somebody yeah. called you at midnight, you might just, yeah, you yeah. know, you wouldn't think of it the same way I do. I, I, no, no, I, I, I never know. Like, but now yet with the cell phone, you can see who's calling you. I don't know that number. Oh, that guy. Right. Maybe not now. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, he might be in trouble. She might be in trouble. I better pick that up. But, uh, you know, generally, I'm, I'm like you. I don't, like, I have a lot of people's phone numbers, but I don't, I'm always hesitant to call them. You, you know what I mean? I'd rather just sit with my problems and stew. Well, I guess nobody talks on the phone anymore, do they? I talked on the phone briefly today. Who'd you talk to? I called my friend Jack, and I, and I speak to uh, my girlfriend on the phone in, in, in real time. But, uh, but generally, no, you don't do it. But I, 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 it's weird because now that it's, even if you were averse to it to begin with, now like I'm sort of scared. You know, like I'm going to call, they're going to answer, then what's going to happen then? You know, there's business to be, you know what I mean? It's never about having a conversation. It's always about like, what? When? Okay, I guess. All right. Are you going? All right. Okay. I'll text you later, right? It's a preface to a text and then to an eventual event. Yeah. How's, how's your how's your dad he is 95 and uh he f he had a birthday party and he fell down my sister went to get him for his birthday party which sister lisa uh -huh. and he was on the ground oh boy and he'd been on the ground for a while oh. so he uh and he was disoriented oh. and no one had ever seen him like that before so anyway now he's uh in an assisted living place and he just, in Carolina, yeah. And he hate he just hates old people. He always yeah. did. Yeah. Right? So apparently he's there, and he just calls the people there losers, and because they're sitting in the room watching TV, yeah. and then he goes to his room and watches TV. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's still got all his his, uh, his yeah. marbles. Yeah. But I I mean it's gee you know I gotta hand it to him you know because. You know, when you're 95, yeah. everything has to hurt. Yeah. And he never talks about it. He doesn't talk no, about it. never. And and who, like, who's the who's the primary family member over there dealing with him on a day-to-day My day sister, day? Lisa. Lisa? And what's yeah. up with your brother, the rooster? He goes over there sometimes. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a help, yeah. too. I, I'm the one who lives, you know, far away, and so I don't. Um, but it's one of the reasons I moved far away. Yeah. You know? Right. I just thought. You know, when the time comes, I'm yeah. far away. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you, I think you talk about it in the most recent book about idealizing family time, you know, and, and having that diminished almost every time. Well, I got this house at the, on the coast, you know. In South Carolina? In North Carolina. North Carolina. And so uh, it's where my family used to vacation when we were kids. Yeah. And it's been kind of great. Yeah. Because we all get together there and we've been, you know, my dad comes when we're there and... Amy? You know, we we just Does yeah, Amy Amy's come? there and yeah. everybody. Yeah, but we don't have a TV, right? Because my dad, you know, normally he just has a TV on and it's yeah. Fox News all the time. So oh, he's that guy. Oh yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, yeah. And so is he happy about what's happening? Uh, well, I haven't talked to him about it because I don't want to. Turn. You know, that I don't want to be that. Yeah. Last discussion we have to be a fight. Yeah. But he's delighted. Yeah. You know. Everything's, yeah. he didn't see any, my friend, I, I had a friend who uh, lived in Arizona and yeah. he had a Obama bumper sticker on his car uh -huh. and he lived in Phoenix. Yeah. And whenever he went to the grocery store, he'd come out, there'd be somebody standing next to his car saying, how's that going for you, shithead? Really? And Ted would say, 
great. Actually, it's going great for me. Yeah. No, it'd be like if you said to my dad, how's this going for you? He'd say, no complaints. Right. Perfectly happy. I, it's My dad, uh, he can't, like he'll watch Fox News because he's gotten rid of all his, you know, only he only has basic cable. But he he doesn't he I think he assumes it's the news hmm. that that there's no that generation unless they're sophisticated, you know, they just walk in and it looks like it's supposed to be the news. It seems like it's the news, and that's how he watches it. No critical thinking or comparative, you know, ideas. This is what's being reported. Well, my dad was always a financial Republican, right? Uh-huh. He just wanted to keep more of his money. Yeah. And then Fox News started, and yeah. they convinced him he wasn't conservative enough. So then he started rethinking yeah. his position. Right. You know, well, I, mean, I remember. I remember North Carolina voted. This is, you know, I don't know, maybe ten years ago, to make gay marriage extra un- unconstitutional, mm-hmm. right? And that passed. And then they voted again a couple of years later to make it extra, 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 extra extra unconstitutional yeah and he voted for that yeah and it was weird because he told me about it yeah he told me he voted for it and i said you know i would have just kept that to myself and if i asked you about it i would have changed the subject like i wouldn't have why are you telling me this do you think it had some sort of deeper implications about how he felt about you no, he, you know, was listening to conservative radio yeah. and he said, you know, you got these girls in college and they don't know what they want. I said, are you talking about college lesbians? Yeah. I said, what does that have anything to do with gay marriage? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he replied. He, he was just confused by the whole, he couldn't keep it straight in his mind. Oh. You know? Right. The, so the, he was, his problems that, with it. it was in the early stages of brainwashing. Yeah. He said it sends a wrong message. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. I see. He thought it was encouraging people that may be going through a phase to make some sort of commitment that they were probably not correct about. Yeah. Hmm. How does he feel in general about your life? Uh, you know, I, my dad is, uh, I, I did a show and. Yeah. In Paris one year, yeah. at the uh, embassy yeah. in Paris. I was invited to do a reading at the embassy. And so I, I said to my dad, do you want to come? Because it seemed like the kind of thing he'd like. So yeah. I flew him over there. And then I heard him saying after the reading, I heard him say, well, David's a better yeah. reader than he is a writer. I heard him say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's all you got? Yeah. <laughs> But how do you, like, do you find uh, any sort of call to arms about what's going on? I mean, you know, I mean, in terms of feeling that you're, you're, you're almost in your heart connected to America and to the, to the South in a lot of ways. Do you, do you find that you, you are provoked to take action in any way? I think the biggest action somebody can take, I mean, I was with this woman recently in Atlanta. Uh-huh. And she's in her 80s, yeah. and she has spent her entire life uh, fundraising for candidates and uh, and uh, hosting, you know, benefits for them and uh, organizing people. Yeah. And she has two people who work for her, and neither of them voted. Hmm. And, and that's what she does for her life. Yeah, yeah. And so that seems to me the the call to arms yeah. to me is to get people yeah, to vote. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even when Obama was on my show, he was like, I'm just here to get poli- people, not even in a partisan way, engaged with the political process to think that it has some impact on their life and the life of the future. 
I don't know what the dis- I think the disconnect is people just are bored or they weren't uh, you know they don't feel or see that it has any immediate impact on their life and they're distracted with all kinds of other bullshit yeah but yeah, okay. I mean, everybody has other stuff going on. Yeah, no, I'm not. Like a presidential election is seems to, you know, take yeah. precedent. I mean, to me, I would think that it would. But yeah. so I don't know. I don't. But I don't know how you. I mean, you know, I've done that at shows before. I've said, oh, you, we have people in the lobby, and you can register to vote. But yeah. I don't. It, it takes something more than that. I don't yeah. know what it would public shaming would be. <laughs> Good. Would yeah. be good. Just get the voter rolls and walk around. Yeah. Shame. Put marks on their doors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. In Australia, you have to vote. Well, I think it's a law. And that would be interesting here to see what would. Yeah. Because it wouldn't make people have to, it wouldn't mean they have to care or well, they yeah. have to put thought into it. Right. It just means they have to push a button. But in, in terms of civic duty in general, have you done jury duty and whatnot? Yeah, I loved it. You did? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, prayed, you know, that I would get a case, and I have to say, I was really struck by how seriously everybody took their duty. Yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody was like, just, just let him off. We, we, we no. got a, but it was a case where this guy stabbed another guy, and if yeah. anyone ever needed to be stabbed, yeah. it was this guy who was stabbed, and he lifted his shirt, and he'd been stabbed by two other people. <laughs> I mean, who gets stabbed? But then I, I learned later that if you're, if you get hit by a car, chances yeah. are like eighty percent you're going to get hit by a char- car again. Really? And if you're stabbed, chances are high you're going to be stabbed again. And it's because you have bad judgment. Oh, it's not some mystical thing. No, no, mm-hmm. it's just because you hang out with the wrong people or you don't pay attention to where you're going. You don't, right. you don't look around you. Yeah. So, so, but everyone was very serious about it, and they, they very, yeah. I, and, I, and I was uh, I don't I don't think I was supposed to be doing this, but like this guy said, he was uh, his family had taken him out for Father's yeah, Day, yeah. at this for barbecue at this restaurant, yeah, and so he couldn't possibly have been there to stab this person. So I went to the barbecue restaurant, yeah. and there was nobody in there that looked remotely like the guy who was on trial, yeah. And so I just thought, what are the chances <laughs> that he was he. That he was really here with his family. Yeah, right. Know? Yeah, and and he looked so unlike everyone else in that restaurant that it seemed like he could have produced a waiter or waitress who would have said, "Yeah, that guy was." Here. I yeah, remember because right. we'd never seen anyone like him in here before. And they, he couldn't produce anybody. No, I remember Amy got jury duty one time. <laughs> she called and said, "It's a rape case, and he's. Uh, I hope I get it. He's really cute." <laughs> <laughs> She's got a new show, huh? Yeah. Do you yeah. like it? Do you watch it? I do like it, and I do watch it. I. It's weird when you watch somebody you know right. on television. Do because a thing. you're seeing, I can't not see her. Right. In right. anything, I cannot. Yeah. So, in a way, I'm like one of the only people who can't see it. Yeah. Right? It's right. It's like somebody made a movie based on something I wrote. Yeah. And I went to it. But I'm the only one in the world who can't see it because I'm sitting in the audience thinking, is that where my, I think my refrigerator was on the other side of the room, wasn't it? But that looks like my trailer. But my cat wasn't orange. He was a little, was my cat orange? And so, the, and then the next thing you know, the credits are rolling. Yeah. And you missed the whole movie. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm the only one in the world who can't see it. Yeah. So. And when, like, uh, when, you, when you're sitting around and not picking up trash uh, in England, 
do do you like you know because like whenever I, I picture somebody you know you, you're an intelligent guy you write beautiful things you're funny you're living this expatriate to this expat life as a writer abroad you know i i, I think of uh, the in, do you listen to classical music and read books <laughs> <laughs> I when I'm walking along, I listen to podcasts. Oh yeah, and I listen to audiobooks. Yeah, and uh, sometimes I listen to music. But yeah. I mean, I walk when I'm at home. Yeah, I walk between eighteen and twenty-two miles a day. A day, a eighteen day. miles a day. Yeah. So this is the, so that's what you do. Yeah, that's a lot of podcasts and a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. to listen to. Yeah, what, have you heard any books lately that you liked? You had Ms. Pat on your show, yeah. and she was so entertaining, and I pounced on her book, yeah. and I thought she did such a great job yeah. with the uh, with that book. Sure. And she did such a great job. I really didn't understand why she wasn't nominated for like a, a Grammy or an right. Audi Award. Yeah. I, I, God, that book was entertaining, and I recommended it to so many people. It's, so, it's just such an amazingly dark story to elevate to humor. I, I mean, it's like profound the you know the way she presents it and it's sort of horrible but it's so funny well when i heard her on your show yeah. I, I thought at first oh gosh i you know those were a lot of the highlights yeah but a lot of the mundane details in the book are yeah it's fantastic oh that's oh that's great to hear i'm sure she'd be thrilled to hear that now what about like uh, uh, greekness like uh, you know do you like I go to Greece a lot. You, you know, do. I go for book tours, and I go for Greeks are happy to embrace Greeks. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I wish because my dad was Greek, but my mother wasn't. Yeah, so I wish I was Greekier. Yeah, but you know, I'll settle for as Greek as I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I just got back from Australia. Every, yeah. everyone's Greek. Really, they're in all Australia. there. Yeah, it just makes me so happy to meet a Greek. Yeah, doesn't it? Because they're what they're open and warm people, or the the. It is a really long last names, yeah, and that's yeah. that's enough yeah. half the time. And the food is so good, right? So clean, seafood, salads, uh, those cheeses, right? Wow! But if you do, you ever go to San Francisco? Do you go there sure. very often? Have you eaten at Kokari in San Francisco? No. I think it has to be the best Greek restaurant in the United States. Really. And it's it's not Nouvelle Greek food. It's not fancy. It's just yeah. Greek food, but man, is it good! And I went there uh, twice last week. I just I, uh, I love it. It's it's uh, just outstanding. It puts every other Greek place. What do you get? Shame. Fish. I get fish. Like the last time I was there, I got this lamb, but yeah. I've gotten fish and I've gotten chicken and and. Yeah, it's not one of those places where they come out with the flaming cheese and yeah. say, "Opa," you know, it's yeah. sophisticated. Yeah, but uh, God is good. I got to go because they open like I like I lived in Queens for years, you know, which is a very Greek mm -hmm. in Astoria, and there was a place called Kiklides Greek Seafood in Astoria, and it was just the best. And they open one in New York City, like right downtown by where I stay usually. I, I'll eat there two or three times just to get grilled octopus, you know, the greens, the weird overcooked greens. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The beets, they just do beets with raw garlic. Like, and then they have that dessert, that galactopudica. Galak, uh, galak, uh, it's galactopudica. Yeah. That, that is the best. Have, do we talk about this before? Uh uh. Oh. That's... Because uh, it, uh, when I was at Kokara the other day, the waitress came up and, and I was ordering that. Yeah. And she said, if it's not inappropriate, 
I once heard that referred to as galactic booty call. <laughs> I like that she... I, I was at the fitness center that I go to in yeah. the country, yeah. and I walked in, and these and these two men were telling dirty jokes, yeah. and 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 the, the guy said, "I am so sorry." He said, "I don't. We were here telling jokes. Yeah. I don't mean to offend." Yeah. But I, I and I can stop right now. Right. And I said, "Please continue." <laughs> and it was just fascinating to yeah. me that that they had uh, that they were apologizing right in advance for right. You know. Yeah, for just telling dirty yeah. jokes, like to, because you showed up, are you? Like, yeah, yeah, no, because I walked into the room. Yeah, I mean, I could see if a woman walked into the room, sure. you would say, "Oh gosh, yeah. you caught me." Yeah, you know? right, right. But if it's another guy, yeah. I'm just surprised by that. Was it a good joke? Uh, yeah, I, it wasn't so good that I remember it. Right, but that dessert is so fucking good, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like phyllo dough and custard. Yeah, and custard, but the custard is like made with, I think, semolina, and it's like not just regular custard. I mean, it's like it's it's one of the best things I ever discovered or ever had in my life. And I and I, I they, they give it to you. They used to give it to you just gratis at this restaurant, Kikwaiti's. Like it just came out. You didn't order it. It was part of the meal. And when that happened, I thought it was the best thing in the world. You can't find it too many places. I went to dinner. I was in New York at the start of my book tour, yeah. and uh, we ordered dessert. And after the dessert, the waiter came and put like a little bowl of madeleines on the table, yeah. and he said, "The story isn't over." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So what happens now? Where are you going? What, what? How do we? How do we? It's so nice to see you. I always like seeing you. I had the postcard you sent me up on my bulletin board for a long time, with musical. Uh, I think they were mice. I'm going to, uh, uh, I mean, I'm just in Los Angeles, and then I go to San Diego, and then I go back to England and start my English book tour. And then do you sit down, and you get, do you, are, you, are you writing? Are you running out of things to write about? No. Okay. I mean, I have a list of things to write about, yeah. and things come up, yeah, you know? I sure. mean, all the time things come up that, yeah. you know. Yeah, provoke the, the writing. Well, like somebody, I didn't realize this, someone just told me this the other night, that Pugs, apparently. Pugs. The dogs. Yeah. Their eyes come out a lot because mm -hmm. they're half out anyway. They pop out? Yeah, they pop out. And this woman, her dog had an operation on its eye and it had a cone on its, around its neck. A pug. And then it w wouldn't shut up about the cone, so she yeah. took it off yeah. for some peace and quiet. And the pug scratched at his eye with his oh. hind legs oh. and, and his eye popped out oh, come on. and he ate it. <laughs> and then that led to all these stories about people digging their eyes out with spoons. What? In eating them. What? Yeah, I was in Ar I was in um I was in Albuquerque and That's there was where I grew a guy up. I grew at up the, in Albuquerque. Well, I was in Albuquerque and I told that someone told me that pug story yeah. and then I told it to somebody else yeah. and somebody said, "Well, there was a guy at the county jail here." Yeah. And he dug his eyes out, both his eyes out with a teaspoon. Mm -hmm. And he ate the first one and then he couldn't find the second one. <laughs> he couldn't find it. <laughs> um and then, then somebody else told me, oh, we had, we had a guy, and he thought there was a hidden camera beneath his eyes, so he took it out with a teaspoon. This is like, it's either meth-related or mental illness, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so. apparently, there's this whole... Anyway, so that's, I thought, gosh, that's something to write about, just to talk about it. And when you talk about it in front of an audience, yeah. people come up, and they'll tell you stories, and... <laughs> you know, just get further into it. Well, pugs are... I think they have a genetically problematic head. I think, you know, because no, they can't breathe right either. Like, 
<laughs> right. Yeah, and it's just a mess. Yeah. Well, then someone told me that the actor, Raul Julia, yeah. his eye popped out on a movie set one time. But is it, was it a glass eye? No, it was a real eye. Apparently, apparently hmm. he talked about it on a talk show one time, hmm. and he sneezed, and I don't know if he held his nose when he sneezed yeah. or what, but his eye popped out. Oh, my God. And all of a sudden, he was looking at his cheek. Oh, right. Oh my and God! And he put it back in with his own hand. Oh, and they God. said, "Oh, don't ever do that. Let us do that." And who? The professionals? Yeah. Leave it to the professionals to put the eye back into the socket. Yeah. So this is uh, so this is the next book. That's great. That's <laughs> we got a little preview. Well, it's great seeing you. You too. And uh, and thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. Calypso, the new book. Get it wherever you get books. Uh, it was lovely talking to uh, David Sedaris again. I, I do get a kick out of him. He's very sweet and funny and dark man. Speaking of, of beautiful movies about real people, that might be good for some of you uh, man babies, is this movie Eighth Grade that Bo Burnham made. It's just a, a beautiful human movie, real story, handled uh, you know nicely, scripted nicely, acted beautifully about eighth grade. And it's interesting. There are some things that are very different about eighth grade now, but there are some things that are eternal. And, and will be eternal in your heart. Uh, and some of that for some of you is a, a lifelong commitment to uh, comic book movies and uh, defending them and getting upset about it. But but this movie is runs a little deeper than that. Uh, it definitely runs a little deeper than that. So uh, it was great to have Bo back. I hadn't seen him in a while. So uh, this is me talking to Bo Burnham about his new movie, Eighth Grade, which is now playing in select theaters. I'm turning into a weird old man. You? I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bo, I don't think I've talked to you on uh, in public in years. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last time I talked to you in public was on the Green Room show. Well, yeah, that's the, the truly public public, right. yes. Right, and, and then I, I took a pretty good shot at you. Got a big laugh. Yeah, it was fun. But you, I think you won. I mean, I think ultimately you transcended. Well, well, that's a, yeah, that's a, it's a weird environment to be in. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, it is. The, all, a circle of comedians in private is a weird environment, right. let alone publicly right. performing surrounded by right. cameras and an audience. That and, is, and I was being so condescending, and you were the kid, the young guy. We played our part. The YouTube. Yeah, we did. And But that was, a, it was interesting because that was Gary Shandling was there. Mm. It was Ray Romano, Gary Shandling, Judd Apatow, you and me, right? And Paul, yeah. And Paul Provenza. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it's sort of a sweet episode, actually. Yeah, it's nice. Because yeah, you got hindsight. up and played. Yeah, it's very beautiful, too. Yeah. And Gary's there. And that's yeah. like, I, I got to have a little relationship with Gary after that, but it all sort of started from that. Really? Um, yeah, I would go over to his house and just- Really? Yeah. Um, and just just me and him and talk for a little bit and even th this movie I just made he he read one of, one of the first people to read the script no kidding yeah. so you just like you met him there mm. and it was just you just you know he reached out or how'd that go yeah yeah just reached out after I might have ran into him at Largo right um, on one of Judd's shows and mm -hmm. we just sort of connected there and uh, yeah we I think we felt like a, 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 partly kindred spirits a little bit just oh, sens yeah? sensitive people yeah so you'd go over there and just hang out yeah we'd just walk around and talk I never did the basketball games or anything it was were just... they still going on at that point yeah yeah I think so are you a basketball player I, w I w want to be I have the f 
silhouette. The silhouette. (laughs) You're supposed to be. Exactly. You were designed to be by God. Yeah. I actually I played basketball until I grew, and then I stopped. So that well, that's sort of interesting. So you, you, he would you, just about life stuff. I mean, what was that to have that kind of relationship with him? What was that like? Yeah, it was just like it, it's similar with well, not similar. Gary is very special, but um, it, there's been a few people that just been very uh, someone that's older that speaks to you like yeah. Oh no, definitely, I, I definitely uh, relate to that. Uh, <laughs> well, they speak to you like an like like a. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't like the Zen master, even though I was projecting all of that onto him. Yeah, you know, it was much more friendly and down to earth. And I think that in itself was like the the most masterful thing to do. To sure. Because um, I would then go on to work with people younger than me, and it was people like Gary that taught me to be like the best thing you can do is to be treat them as your equal, and even, right. even if they're not, which well, I certainly wasn't. It's very important in life. I mean, I, what I was responding to is like, I've had many, many sort of older mentors throughout mm-hmm. my life Yeah, yeah. that kind of fill a void, whether it's a dad void or whatever the right. void is. Like you didn't, you're getting information that you never got before, you're getting support that you didn't get before, you're getting validation. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that come with that. It's a very exciting thing to be taken under somebody's wing, so to speak, mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. or just to be, you know, listened to by uh, someone you respect. Yeah, and to feel and to feel like it's kind because I can, and just and if it feels humble, it's just yeah. mind blowing. You know, because yeah. you can kind of bristle when it feels like, "Hey, kid, like let me show you that." You know, you can kind of get <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a little. Well, that's not. Yeah, that's just right. <laughs> you don't know nothing. I'm going to school you. <laughs> yeah, which can but, be fun. And he saw he saw a script of eighth grade early on. Yeah, yeah. I sent him a script early on because he was... How many years ago was that going in the making? Probably three years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, Did he give you notes? No, he just just was curious what I was um, working on. I sent it to him and he just sent a nice email back saying, you know, he hopes it gets made and... Oh, yeah. That's nice. So you weren't really asking for notes? No, I mean, not, not really. Um, it was just, it was, more, it was more of a casual thing, him just being curious. Uh-huh. He was always just a very curious person. Uh-huh. It was much more, yeah... Just curious about things rather than in control of them. Sure. So that was three years. I'm sure if you would have, if you asked for input, he might have given you some, but you just wanted him to see it. Yeah. 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 Th- th- yeah. I didn't feel like that's what our, even our relationship was. Oh, right. Our relationship was more just like sharing things with each other. Oh, that's nice. Which was nice. How long did that go on for? Just, you know. Until he died, I guess. Probably a year, yeah. Yeah. And you go to the funeral and stuff? I didn't know. I didn't either. Did you go to that memorial? You know the show? Yeah. No, that that, that, show, was, a, yeah. that was a lot. And that only happened in the show business. You go yeah. to the memorial. Oh, the stand-up show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you wrote this how long ago? Probably 2014. Okay, 2014. So where, where were you at in your career then? You're running around playing piano? I just finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I literally am doing that on stage. Um, I was, uh, I had just finished my... The special before the last special, which is called my first Netflix special, was called What, and I was not wanting to do it anymore. Wait, oh, right, and this was Life. Was that the other one or li- what uh, was Make Happy? Was the reason? Make Happy, right, yeah. right, right. Um, I like that it, it seemed to be Life, Life, because <laughs> that's what we were going for. That's sort <laughs> of a subliminal message. Oh, no, good. Um, but yeah, I had started to. I had my first panic attack of my life on stage, and uh, Re- really, mm-hmm. wait. So you're running, you're you're playing, you're doing the shows. You know, you're. I mean, I'm not being condescending. Oh no, no, no. You've it's, got a, a good following. You're doing fun. theater tours. Yeah, and uh, mostly younger people come. I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. Um, College and, age, high school. Right, yeah, right. Older. Mostly girls, women. Sixty forty. Yeah. 
I probably yeah. Um, so they have boyfriends, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> that they they wish were you. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so what? What? How does? What precedes the panic attack? Are things going too well or? Um, no, I think it's been a lifelong thing that I never really had described or understood until that point. You know? Really? But you never had one before? You never had, had one, no. Um, I had had like acute stage fright that I didn't think was that. Uh, never crescendoed into a panic attack. But, you know, I was in and out of the hospital when I was in high school thinking I had stomach pains. And then it wasn't until, you know. Oh, really? I was 23 where I was like, oh, that was being nervous. I was shitting my p- brains out every day because I was nervous. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh yeah, the last I, last time I was on when I was on this podcast, I was nineteen. I didn't know. I didn't. I hadn't said the word anxiety at that point. I had no idea what I was struggling with. So it wasn't until I was in Edinburgh, you know, in front of eight hundred people, and all of a sudden, halfway through the show, I got tunnel vision and my breath got short, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Did you say that? No, I got through it. I powered through you play, it. You played through, and then <laughs> I'm going to play through <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and then you know, over the course of. This last tour had you know ten on stage. Had to power through all of them, and but not uh, be- before you go on. You didn't feel the. You, did, you, did you always have stage fright? Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. you did. Yeah. And now, like, I, well, that's interesting. It's just out of nowhere, it starts actually happening on yeah. stage. And you just powered through all of them, and then what? Did you get seek help, or did I, you, just something you live with? Uh, I tried to seek. I mean, part of the help was quitting, was stopping doing it. Um, you know, I really haven't done it in two years. I've you know do once Performed? a month at Largo. Yeah, I maybe really? yeah maybe once or every couple months at Largo. I go up for ten minutes. So you kind of you really sort of like I'm pulling out for a while. I needed to for my health. Yeah. How many for, dates a year were you doing? I, I was doing. I did a hundred, but I did them in you know fifty in a, in sixty days. Right. And like, what was really rough was this last tour. It's like. Uh, the second show in, I had a, a panic attack on stage in Providence in front of 3,500 people. Next day, I had a panic attack in New York. Then two days after that, a panic attack in the train to D.C. for my next show. And I had like 45 shows coming up after. And that that's when it felt like absolute oblivion. That was like the darkest right. time of my life. So yeah. you were full of dread? Dread. Exactly. That's yeah. the word. Yeah, it I felt know. like an axe was, when I was on stage, it was like, and, and again, it's not that I couldn't enjoy myself on stage. I would. And I'd really enjoy it, but yeah. then there was always this thing hanging over my head that could drop at any moment. Like at any moment, but I could freak it, out. Could you attach it to things? Because I have problems with anxiety and dread. But you know, like for because like if you're in something and mm. you're doing it, you're like, this is great. But then like when you think of like, oh, but I gotta, you know, I gotta do it again tomorrow, and I gotta, you know, like mm. th- then that's when I start to. But was that what was happening, or was just a kind of vague existential dread? No, I'm sure it was grounded in some like awful sort of just young narcissistic need to be the greatest every night to everybody. Mm. But also like the surreal thing that would be happening is that like you know between shows, I'm literally on my laptop googling like how to deal with stage fright. Right. And it's articles that are saying like. Don't worry, like no one really, like if you're going up to present in front of your class, no one actually cares what you're presenting. I'm like, no, it doesn't apply to me. Like these people paid $40 and they've been waiting three months to see me. It was actually reading about people like Adele and Barbara Streisand who struggle with that, that like mm-hmm. actually really, really helped me. But um, yeah, try- it was it was sort of on the road. It's funny now in hindsight, but like, okay, like meditating before every show, like trying to learn this thing uh-huh. on its feet, which was, and I was like, do I take beta blockers? But that's that feels like to introduce medication mid-tour felt yeah. like very terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. that, some people use those. I, I mean, I tried them for anger once. Mm. It, I guess it does something. I, I don't know what it, I, I'm not exactly sure how they work, 
but uh, but you just chose to stop for a while. Yeah, I just needed to stop, and and probably part of it was feeling like every show was life and death for me, and I was proving my worth every yeah, time up there. Yeah. I, I don't want to ground it too You're much in thoughts because it's also. It is also just like chemical and neurological yeah. and like yeah. my sister has anxiety, my mother has anxiety. So so there, there, there also is just something that's just I'm predisposed to it. So what, you know, so you're telling me that the, the, the sort of kernel of creating the film or starting to think about the script came from you taking a break? No, more just me wanting to write about my anxiety because I didn't take a break at that point because that was just the sort of lull before I started my next hour and then when I finished Make Happy then I which was 2016 then I took the official break but I was trying to talk about my anxiety on stage I was trying to talk about feeling nervous through myself through my own voice and I found that all it was doing was burrowing me deeper in myself and not getting me anywhere and, so, and then you thought like I'm an 8th grade girl yeah kind of kind of <laughs> really it was it was watching kids online talk about themselves watching these girls make these videos trying to express themselves and being like i feel like them and not only that me doing my show on stage you know and i would talk about being nervous and and feeling like performing yeah. was strange and i felt like my problems were so specific to a at the time 24 year old male comedian and then i would have 14 year old girls come up to me after the show and say i feel exactly like you i feel like i have to perform all the time and everyone's looking at me and i go what you know what I mean so like if there was a bridge that I had to cross to write the movie, it was built by them to me first. Yeah. You know, I felt understood by them before right. I presumed to understand them. Well, that's sort of a big revelation about, you know, what you put out into the world in general and why it resonates with mm. your audience mm -hmm. and what, because like even when I saw your work way back in the day, that you are expressing a sort of like aggravated discomfort in some things. Right, right yeah. That you transcend through, you know, what you're doing up there. Like it, it's empowering and and it's catchy and it's entertaining. And but it, but I think what you're talking about is it seems to be at the core of a lot of the stuff you've done. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I would have to filter it through things I was getting very tired of, which was being clever, overwriting, being cynical, being Singing. satirical, <laughs> Singing. Yeah, yeah, certainly <laughs> melodically. <laughs> um, and I was interested in exploring it in a more granular, emotional detached way and like a different type of investment on your part yeah the, it, not as a not you know you're not you don't have to show up every mm, night yeah i don't have to perform the movie yeah and, and and to say that these feelings are not unique to me i mean the most powerful experiences i have watching any art are yeah. when I, I i feel most personally connected to films that i don't demographically align with or like when i can see myself yeah in someone that isn't me that right. is really really freeing to me because it's very lonely to think oh i'm only feeling what i'm feeling because i'm me in my circumstance right but oh to, yeah d to see well that's usually selfish there's you, there's you unless you're doing something you know incredibly uniquely peculiar there's somebody else out there experiencing what you're experiencing and even me who i felt was doing something incredibly <laughs> uniquely peculiar it wasn't unique to me it yeah. just wasn't right like, like um this pressure that i had felt to perform to deliver for an audience has yeah. been sort of is now s social that's yeah. so you know oh, now yeah, completely now, wide that's right that now with people's access to putting themselves out there like you, everybody can have that same an entertainer's fear uh, yeah exactly that's what i say like the, the the shitty sort of like things you get when you're a d-list comedic celebrity are now have been democratized for everybody <laughs> like everyone gets to be a shitty 
D-list celebrity like well, me. It's, it's funny because, <laughs> yeah, the thing about the movie, though, like which I liked a lot. I, I really liked the movie, mm. and I'm glad that I did because it's hard for me to talk to people if I don't like the movie that oh, they're cool. here. I, I would have canceled it. I, I told them. I was like, just ask him if he liked it, and then like <laughs> I just won't not. come in. You did like, not. I, I said that. I, well, I said that because I, I know you're honest. I was like, I, I just like, I don't need the plug if he doesn't <laughs> like it. Like, <laughs> I don't want to deal with Mark beating around the bush. Yeah. No, well, I don't want to burden you with that. I wouldn't want to talk about something I don't like. Well, no, but like it's weird because I do talk to people who have made a lot of movies that may have made one that they're out pr- promoting that I, I might not love. Right, right, but right. But like right. there's still like- Yeah, there's is, other stuff to talk about, yeah. But but what's interesting that you're saying to me is that what, what pulled you in were these YouTube videos. And to me, like I just saw the YouTube videos, you know, not as a device, but as just something that, you know, eighth graders deal with now that that's part of their life, you know, like the cell phone and the YouTube mm. video and uh, Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. Well, I can't remember which one was in the movie, but, but the, the, the core of who they are emotionally is sort of timeless. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, cause you have this, you know, this cast of characters and you got great performances out of all the kids and you know, like it's not, you know, I can see them all from my junior high. Like mm, I yeah, know yeah, yeah. all the characters are still the characters. And I think that's, that's genuine. I, I that's not, it's not some uh, trope of teen movies. It's, it's a trope of actual yeah, teen life. life. Yeah, 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 of course. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I thought the casting was great. You really got a hell of a performance out of, uh, out of all your leads. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah. They're special. Kids. So w- w- they were. So what, how did you, once you wrote the script, how much, did you honor it? Did, what, what... Yeah, I mean, structurally pretty honored, but, <clears throat> you know, part of the thing was just trying to, I, I wanted to make a movie about kids that, you know, hopefully you feel nostalgia when you watch it, but it wasn't operating nostalgically. Right. You know, I didn't want it to be like a memory. I didn't want it to feel like the projection of my eighth grade experience. Right. I, I didn't set up, I didn't give a shit about my eighth grade experience, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried to defer to the kids and let the kids author as much as they could and right. and, and let them feel like they were in power of the, the thing. So was there a learning process for you on set? I mean, were you, did you find that when you wrote the script and then having the experience of working with the, the actors that you made assumptions that might not have been true? Yeah, I mean, I gave the script to the lead, Elsie Fisher, the first time and she read it and said... All of her DMs were on Facebook, and she read it and said, "No one uses Facebook anymore." Which right. I then put into the script of some other girl saying, and now it's all on Instagram because she literally read the script and was like, "Is this about my aunt?" And I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> so like, what was really nice? It, it was freeing for me too to f- have always felt like I was this always the little young buck, and now I get to be the old out of touch guy, which yeah. is very fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I get to look back at them and go, "What the." Fuck is happening right because you know? and i do think the generation gaps are shrinking and it's much stranger and i feel as close to someone 20 years older than me as i do someone six years younger than me because this stuff stuff is just changing so rapidly technology um, mostly yeah and this sort of like this sort of like generational signifiers are now happening every six months instead of every you know eight or ten years um but to back to when you asked about the videos like yeah, they are. They are. They definitely do end up being a device, and the, I hope the movie, you know, is really carried by her actual life. But the thing that just drew me was that wasn't being negative. No, no, yeah, yeah. and and I hope they function as a as a device. Yeah. It was. It was like what drew me to the videos was like failing to articulate yourself, wanting to present your own narrative, and not being able to do it correctly. And and that was just so compelling to me when I watched these videos. I would see kids. 
it was vlogs that were kids are making about their life. You could see you could see the references they had in their head for other speeches they'd heard in movies and culture. You could see them trying to do it. You could see them failing to live up to what they wanted to do. You could see them trying to close that gap. You could see them getting bored. You could see them adjusting. And I was watching this going like, if this were a performance, it would be incredible. And it's so much more dynamic than the normal teen voiceover of, hey, so I'm going to teach you about how I, I went from being right. this to that. You right. know, yeah. It's literally about them learning how to think. It's not just about them learning how to live and also this idea that you know that they're putting something out in the world that that is helpful that you know will celebrate who they are but also like people will want to watch yeah it, it kind of fills in for that because it was it's all her her what's the character's name kayla kayla's you know videos are heartbreaking ultimately yeah yeah just yeah. just by virtue of the fact that no one's watching them yeah right. like and you don't really mention that too much yeah but you do see the number where yeah. the number's supposed to be <laughs> yeah. right and it's just it's just it's going out into nowhere it's almost mm. a an internal dialogue yeah yeah but she's trying to 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 sort of be helpful and she's already out of her league i mean i've i you know in terms of what the, the advice she's offering what does she really know yeah of course but what what does anyone know about like being yourself and no, how I, to be right. confident you know yeah. at the end of the day it's like we're all kind of right it feels a little like but yeah i was interested about talking about people on the internet that weren't being seen as someone that went viral on the internet right. it's the least interesting thing about being on the internet and it's the only thing we talk about we tend to only talk about the people that get attention but the majority of the internet is people expressing themselves to nobody yeah. into a black void it's right. almost like a weird form of prayer or something where they're hoping someone's listening but they don't know or not right so. and it never goes away like it's yeah. always out there. Exactly. Like the, yeah. the people that did three podcasts. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's the thing is like, wh what is it going to be like when all of our presidential candidates have like their entire childhood yeah. documented and all the bad jokes they made? And, sure. you know, we're going to have to do some sort of amnesty like. I, I, yeah, just like yeah, call it. We're gonna truce. have to. Yeah, well, yeah. Accept people that people grow and they evolve and they shift and they change and they, you know. And that's sort of been the story of my life professionally, and probably what the movie's trying to do, maybe subconsciously for me, is like I've had to forgive myself a lot, and yeah. I've had to ask other people to forgive myself because I had my. You know, the first three years of me writing as a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, stuff I'm very embarrassed by, but. Uh, you know, I wouldn't change a second of it because, you know, I, I, you know, the butterfly effect, I wouldn't be here and I'm right. so grateful to be here. But. Yeah. And there's no erasing it. Yeah. There, there, so. There's the practical issue of like, yeah, uh, yeah well, there's nothing, there. to, there's nothing to be done. So like <laughs> at a certain point, it was me trying to go back and go like, yeah, it's okay. It's all of right. Of course that, it is. It's okay to grow and, and, and. We just did it in public, there, but you couldn't yeah. avoid it. I mean, it was the nature yeah. of when you became yeah, exactly. uh, successful or when you became known. Yeah. You know, there's, what are you going to do? I mean, I look at, like, I look at stuff from, you know, fortunately for me, a lot of that stuff when I was younger was on Conan and you can't, there's right, not, you, right, right. like, they're not, you can't even see that shit yeah, anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have it, but it's like, I don't know why I have it up there. There's some very embarrassing outfits <laughs> yeah. and haircuts and, yeah, you know, approaches, right, right. you know. And I had stuff that was literally the equivalent of, like, your open mic set. Literally the first time I ever tried stuff. I yeah, it's up there. there. <laughs> yeah. But I thought the movie was really great because, it, you, you know, uh, emotionally, you know, someone like me who has, you know, a, a, some emotional uh, um, kind of hobbling that that I think that is still sort of suspended in the dynamics of, of approval mm. uh, that we experience in junior high that, mm. you know, like it, it's all very was very visceral. It's just not that far 
under the surface for, I imagine, a lot of people because oh, yeah. those dynamics repeat themselves in life, in work, in yes. college, in high school. It never really goes away. Yeah. Well, that, that, what's established socially in, in that era. Yeah, well that, well, that means a lot. Yeah, or that, era, that period in one's life. No, but that, that that's the hope, and thank you, because like some people, you know, some people be like, "Man, I'm so glad I'm not that awkward anymore." I'm like, "You are," like, or 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 like, it's it just the moment when our self awareness is turned on, and we have to look around and be like, "Oh my god, I've been this the whole fucking time," and we have to scramble <laughs> to you know fix it. But, How come no one said anything? <laughs> but like, there's the what's so beautiful about that age to me is that like the impulse to be and to take inventory of what you're doing and fix it and then present it. It's also transparent. The mechanism is so right. transparent right. of what you're right. doing and all that it does over the course and of you your don't life. And you don't think it is. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually it does, we do learn how to smooth out the edges and it looks right. like it's one functioning piece. But I still believe now we're just slicker versions of 13-year-olds. We've just figured out how to probably you know, yeah. process those things. But I'm saying you can kind of maybe look at behavior that you identify with now and hate in yourself now sure. and maybe forgive yourself because you're like, oh, right, I really am just a scared kid that wants love and attention and yeah. all those things. And, I think that's true. And a, and a little brat maybe too and, and maybe even the bad, annoying parts of myself are just little bratty, annoying parts <laughs> yeah, of myself yeah, yeah, that were always yeah, there. Yeah. And also I think like, you know, as an old an adult watching this movie, like there was part of me that thought like, well, he's really picked his market, you know, it, but you know, it's like, it is a movie. It's one of the, you know, you could go with your kids, mm. you know, and, and really I imagine have a hell of a conversation afterwards. Yeah. And it's an R rated movie called eighth grade. So if we picked a market, we picked a pretty bad one. Um, that, that, that was just a crazy thing that ended up happening. I don't, I don't know how. And also like eighth graders have no idea who I am. Yeah, they're, like I'm. I'm. They're, so it's really not made. So me. it's not made for eighth graders. But it, I, I hope they. I hope it. I but hope you they can, can go come. with your kid. You can still bring your kid to an R movie, can't you? Yeah, for sure. And it was a bummer when the R rating came back for us. I don't understand why that would. It's like crazy. Like you can't say nudes. Like they just reference nude photos, and they can't do that. It's really. It's like because of their age in the movie. Yeah, I think huh. so. It's just it's like obvious. But obviously. I mean, I would I would encourage it because like they you know for for grownups to bring that their younger the 13 year olds to the movie because it's one of those weird things where you after seeing a movie like that you could have a conversation that mm. might not have happened organically because of that right. weird discomfort that that even she has in the movie yeah, with course. her father yeah yeah it's... who you know turns out to be a pretty great guy i mean that was the other great thing about the movie with all the the situations that this girl finds herself in there's a there's a few where you take it right to the edge and you know as somebody who watches, you know, movies, you expect like, is this going to get fucking, is this going to get dark and fucked yeah. up now? And you're like, and I don't really, like, I'm not a happy ending kind of guy, but yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a scene there where I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and yeah, but, yeah, but it didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're you, talking about. Because like, I was just sort of like, you know, yeah, the other thing could happen. Yeah, And it yeah. does happen. Yeah, it does. A happen. lot. Yeah. But there's a lot of those moments that take it, you know, right to the edge mm. of, of something that could be, you know, life altering for the for for the negative. Yeah. And I think that that, fragil that fragility and vulnerability of people that age, like when when you see it work out. Like, you know, where she ends up at the end of the movie is very sweet. Yeah. The whole movie is very heartbreaking in a, in a positive way. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hope so. Thank like, you know, like you. you feel the weight of it, like because of the vulnerability, because of, of that age, mm. you know, you just feel this sort of ache of that. Yeah, yeah. It's not like depressing heartbreaking. It's not grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's like, it, it definitely is is heavy in the sense of like, oh, God, yeah, yeah. Gonna, this poor girl, but not, not sort of like, that's just tragic. But like it just it, high stakes for her. It's, and, but it's very sweet. You know, it ends up in a very sweet place. But I, I think the point I'm trying to make is that given that, you know, bad things do happen to young people because they think they've got their shit together, you know, it's a, it's an interesting movie to see that get right up to the edge of that. And But it doesn't happen. Yeah, I think maybe part of it was trying to dignify the experiences of people of smaller of smaller events, yeah. you know, that it doesn't need to go there to be significant. Right. That sometimes sure. movies right. feel like about this age, in order for it to be dramatic and worthy of a movie, really dramatic shit has to happen to the kid. But for me, it's like every day feels like life and death to a kid. Yeah. Very, very. And that's what anxiety is. Very small oh, things yeah. feel incredibly significant. So. Well, now that you talk about it like that in relation to your own anxiety, it can definitely feel that's sort of also what I felt as an anxiety person. Uh, it, that there's heartache, but there's also this sort of like, oh God, it's like every day is kind of like, are you going to get through it? In your mind, you're like just entering the hallway. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, like, God forbid you get something on your pants. Yeah, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anything. <laughs> Like it's just be a disaster for the fucking whole day. Yeah, it's it's and then like, you take weeks to get over it, mm. and then people make fun of you for it. It was a very high stakes. Yeah, and that, that and that's what it that's what life and I think that is what life is for most people. I I believe that people are so non confrontational in real life. I believe that tiny things register so hugely for most people. Mm. They're like. It, aren't like most of us like we raise our voice at someone in the line at grocery store and then our our heart is pounding for an hour afterwards like have you ever seen like people yell in public it's insane like yeah. you have like you're like you get like an outer out of body experience oh, yeah, yeah, like, I've done it yeah I've done it where you just feel the you know like is this happening it's yeah, coming it's, out of my mouth yeah it's crazy yeah. like and, and so and I think movies tend to exist in a really higher form of expressed outward drama that I kind of wanted we wanted to play against we wanted to go like can we have a movie that hopefully people leave going like, oh, that was intense. And then it's like, oh, I guess she just went to a pool party and went to the mall and nothing really happened, you know, but everything happened to her. No, I think you feel that. You know, I, I think that like it's not it wasn't hard for me as at my age at you know, 54. Am I 54? I'm 54 now. Yeah. Where like, I, you know, you get right back into it. You definitely like the 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 kids were so good at showing, you know, at being who they are. Uh, in the acting that mm. you you know you, you you feel it you know you definitely feel it it's all very uh very sweet and very you know heartbreaking and and very uh, vulnerable and 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 also sort of uh it's provocative to 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 realize that there are a lot of things that are different about growing up now but there's something fundamentally the same yeah about yeah right what yeah. you go through in this country with that age mm. anyways you know yeah and filming this like you know, we filmed it last summer or whatever, and it really was like, I don't know if there's going to be a country when you're a sophomore in high school. I don't, you know, it, it all felt so, because I was so certain when I wrote this script, yeah. like, oh, I'm making this for Hillary's America. Right. We're going to have, we're going to get to have like sort of like a cool, subtle conversation maybe about the culture yeah. once we're all kind of happy about the, right. you know, whatever just right. happened. And instead it's like him being there and I remember walking into I hate to veer the conversation of this but yeah. walking into a classroom scouting that school schools 
and seeing like the printed, the, nothing, seeing the computer printed out picture of his face on like the strip of presidents above a chalkboard or right, a whiteboard right. oh, is, a, is very, very surreal. I mean, that, that it felt institutionalized in a way that the inauguration didn't feel. To, to see it in a sixth grade cl- classroom was right. very Oh wow! Disturbing, and it was like, and the kids feel it. The kids know that. The kids know something is happening. So there is certainly an added level of just urgency to I think being that age now. And there really are, you know, shooting drills. There really, really are oh, right. gun. You know, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. I, I don't know what it's going to be like for them when they're. Well, you know, like uh, hopefully they're they're. Uh, that's the other that that's the scariest sort of like thing that hangs over it is like, are they engaged really mm. in anything other than, you know, this sort of compulsive, selfish pursuits? Yeah, I mean that's like to me that's the the tricky thing because that's also something that grownups, that's something that's, eight sort of ageless now. Oh yeah, and, and and actually worse to me. The worst people on on social media are thirty year olds by by a factor of ten. Like no one is more nauseating yeah. than my friends around my age and yeah. a little older. Like they are the ones that like think they're being self aware and ironic and are so transparently yeah. disgusting. And and talking to the kids, the kids actually get it a little more. And like they're it's so in their bones that right. it, it's it doesn't mean as much to them. And they're maybe true. able to have like a slightly healthier relationship. Whereas we see it as like this thing in our lives so that we, we've had to adapt to yeah and it's like this tool we're going to use it yeah so but to, they're just second nature yeah, yeah yeah and and they do have like a really incredible ability to like emotionally multitask and like i think they have like a view of the world that no one's ever had a, a that's, sense of that's, like that's true and i wonder where that goes you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not saying it's necessarily positive. Yeah, I don't know yet. You know, and and also like that was very clever. The uh, that the phone breaks, like you know that she breaks her phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like that was. It. And we got in trouble for Apple. Apple didn't want to get was almost very upset about that because we showed that the phone broke. And I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna have her hum it across the room. Like she'll throw it very, very hard. Right. But we were. It was a choice. Like we could get, we could get the laptops for free to use them. Or not, so we like had to use like the cruise laptops and phones because Apple wouldn't give it to us because we show that their phones get cracked. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone knows their phones. Yeah, get cracked. of course, of course. Well, look, Bo, it was great seeing you, and I and it was and you did a great job. It was really well, a, I really a touching, appreciate it, Mark. It touching a touching movie, and I loved it. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what I was getting into, and and I just I thought it was great, real human. Well, it means a lot. And it's good to talk to you in public again. Ah, oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Bo Burnham did a great job with that movie. It was great talking to him. Go see Eighth Grade. I recommend it. It'll choke you up and elevate you. Dig it. I put new strings on my guitar. And I polished the fretboard. God, it was all dried out and sad. So I'll, 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 I'll play some tubas music for you. Here. <laughs> 